first reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 2, commencing at verse 1. The war that Isaiah's son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. There shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. The second reading comes from Romans, chapter 13, commencing at verse 11. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the movement for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us live honourably, as in the day, not in revelling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarrelling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Hear the word of the Lord. Well, this morning uh, we begin our Advent series and we are going to look at a, a few of the lectionary readings uh, through Advent through each of the weeks and I'm hoping it points us and encourages us uh, towards uh, Jesus. I don't know how you fared in the bets that you put in the election yesterday. <laughs> uh, we're all looking for a leader that we think is worth following. We're all looking for a leader that we think is going to lead us uh, to prosper as people. Uh, maybe the leader that was elected is the leader that you think is a leader worth following, a leader that will lead us to prosper as people uh, in Victoria. Uh, we're all looking for a leader that will enable us as human beings to thrive and not hinder us and not do what we think is, is bad for the rest of uh, our nation. The problem is, I don't know about how you feel about elections, whether I get the one I want or the one I don't want, I never seem to get the leader that's quite right. Sometimes when I get the leader that I think is the best leader, they turn out to be pretty average. And I, I think that's a fairly universal experience that 
No one's singing the praises of every leader that they've nailed everything, got everything right, sorted everything out, and, oh, we're so thankful as a country that we've got this person leading us. Uh, deep down on inside of us, uh, that longing for, for a leader is not a new longing. It's a, it's a longing that sat there since the beginning of the time, uh, that we want someone that can lead us to thrive in life. Uh, it's something that the people of God uh, longed for when they, they wanted a leader like every other nation had. Uh, they, they were happy to have uh, Moses. They were happy to have elders. But they wanted a, a king, someone that was a figurehead, someone that could lead them into battle, someone that could stand above others and uh, be a representative uh, for their nation. So this, this longing for, for a leader is not an, a new longing. Uh, the, the moment we, we find ourselves in as a, a nation is not different from the moment of previous generations. Deep down, can I say what we're looking for is we're longing for a leader like Jesus that will lead us with grace and compassion and authority, uh, that will speak truth, uh, that will divide uh, justice and injustice, right from wrong. Uh, we're, we're looking for a leader that will, will help the broken, lift up the broken, free the captives. We're looking for a leader like Jesus, and it's, and it's no wonder that every leader that steps up disappoints us because they're not Jesus. And whether you know Jesus or whether you don't know Jesus, uh, what we're deep down looking for is someone like Jesus. Uh, we have this beautiful picture in, in Isaiah of uh, God's uh, vision for uh, what it might look like for his uh, people uh, to prosper under his reign. Uh, uh, what it looks like is we have this picture of all people coming to the, the mountain of the Lord's house. Uh, the mountain of the Lord's house uh, shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills, and all nations shall stream to it. Uh, when there's a good leader, ev everyone wants to follow that person. Uh, so here in Isaiah, we have this beautiful picture of all the nations of the world wanting to come where God is present. That is God's uh, house is on the top of the mountain. Uh, it's about God being present uh, in that place. And so all people are wanting to go to where the Lord is present, that the Lord would bless them, prosper them, uh, that they would learn the ways of the Lord. And so when they come, they say, uh, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. It's interesting that they say the house of the God of Jacob, uh, because Jacob as a leader was the one that stole from Esau the, uh, the birthright that was his. Uh, so he, he stole Esau's birthright, ended up being a, a pretty good leader, Jacob was, but then they're not looking for Jacob, they're looking for Jacob's God, the one that is able to redeem, the one that is able to restore, the, uh, the one that is able to make a way, even when by birthright there doesn't look like there is going to be a way, the one through whom blessing flows. And so through Jacob, uh, the 12 tribes came and the nation of Israel was established. Uh, through Jacob, Jesus came generation 
upon generation. And so they're looking for this God, the God of Jacob, that has enabled the people of this God to prosper. And they're saying, come, let us go to this mountain that he may teach us his ways. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations, shall arbitrate for many peoples, and they will beat their swords into plowshares, spears to pruning hooks, and nations shall no longer lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. What's the picture that's being presented here for us? It's one of peace, where we're no longer at war with each other, where we're no longer battling each other, uh, feeling unsettled or threatened. It's, it's a picture of prosperity. Uh, that is, swords become plowshares. What a pl- think of a, a mattock that you, you dig through the ground uh, with uh, preparing the soil. So swords, instead of uh, cutting down people in battle, become plowshares, preparing the soil for new planting. And then what was used as a spear becomes a pruning hook. That is, what is planted in this new soil that has been plowed bears great fruit and you have a harvest prepared. And so what they're looking for is this vision to be fulfilled. Now we know this picture in Isaiah 2 is a picture that looks forward beyond what the people of Israel ever saw. It's a picture that for us we still look forward to seeing in fullness. That is partially fulfilled in Jesus, but not fulfilled in the full. And so Advent is that season where we recognize that Jesus has come. No longer is the the presence of God contained, uh, but is available to all nations to come and meet with him and receive his instruction. But we don't see the full prosperity of what God has promised in this picture through Isaiah. I read that picture and I, and I think, well, at some level, that's who we're called to be. Now, I started talking about how we're all looking for a leader. And we want one leader who's able to do everything and be everything. And that leader's Jesus. And so no one person is ever going to step up and lead in that kind of way. And so in Advent, we celebrate that Jesus has come, but that he will return and we're looking for Jesus' return to make all things right. But in the meantime, Jesus has not allocated one leader. He's not allocated an archbishop, a bishop, a a priest in a church, or a pastor in a church. God has allocated this role of being the people that represent him to us. So when people are looking to the place uh, where... Now, people prosper in life. At some level, they should look to us. I wonder if you've uh, ever had a conversation with someone where that's gone a little like this. You really remind me of someone that I know. In fact, where do I know you from? And that, this happens to me all the time. I, I've met far too many people in life now, having gone across a number of churches. And unless someone gives me a context, I can uh, forget where I've met them. I can know their face really well. I can, I can tell you a story about them, but uh, some things need to click into place, and all of a sudden it's a whole bunch of memories are unlocked and it floods back, and I remember. But sometimes you have that conversation with someone, and they go, you remind me of someone. Who is it? Oh, who is it? And, it? and it could be a movie star. Maybe you look like a movie star. Maybe, maybe 
Maybe they don't even know you at all. Maybe you just look similar to someone. And we say, oh, that's just so-and-so. They've got a very, like, you know, that they look like one of those familiar people. I'd like to think that when someone meets you and I, that they say, you remind me of someone. You really remind me of someone. There's something about you that you remind me of someone. And the someone that we remind people of is Jesus. At some level, people should have that experience with each of us. Wow, you're, you're, you're really kind. That reminds me of Jesus. Wow, you, you have a real heart for justice. That reminds me of Jesus. I love the authority that you seem to walk in through life. You're so confident. That reminds me of Jesus. I love the compassion that you bring to people. That reminds me of Jesus. You're so forgiving. That reminds me of Jesus. I wonder, would people say that of us? Now, each of us is going to, like a diamond, give dif gives different aspects of life, give different aspects of Jesus, but there's this growing that happens through the Christian life where we all should grow in all the aspects of Jesus displayed through us in life. And so no longer does someone say in the words of Isaiah, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord. They say, come let us go to the place where God is. And I recognize that God is among the people, the church, the Christian church, and so I want to go to them because I recognize that God is with them. And when I go to them, I get the instruction that leads me to prosper in life. Come teach me the ways that I may walk in his paths because I know that is the place of peace and prosperity. I wonder, does anyone ever come to you and say, I, I like the way that you live life. Teach me how to live life the way that you do. I think it's something that we've almost lost touch with. Uh, in Jesus' day, someone wanted to become a disciple of someone else, didn't they? And so many wanted to become disciples of Jesus because they saw who he was as a teacher and they followed him as a teacher and Jesus grew them up as disciples. They, they weren't perfect disciples, but they knew what it meant to follow. I think uh, today we really struggle to follow. Uh, we're really good at finding faults, but I think we struggle to follow. And it's because we look for faults, we say, oh, I can't possibly follow. I think the perspective change that needs to happen for us is when we look at people, we need to say, God's actually really blessed them in this way. You know what? They're not perfect, but I could learn this from them. And I want to meet with them and talk with them and learn from them until I've learnt what it is that they carry in God and that I can live it out myself. What, what does it mean that I've learnt? It means that I can live it as me. Uh, when I first uh, started uh, in full-time ministry, I was very much aware that certain people uh, in... Ridley were really influential in shaping the people that came out of Ridley as a Bible college. And because I, I would go and hear them preach, and they would sound exactly like Reese Bazant. So many people sound like Reese Bazant because he's really inspiring as a Christian leader. 
and was a great teacher. And so they come out and they preach exactly like Reese Bazant. Now that everyone listens to podcasts these days, you often hear people preaching like their favorite preacher. But that's also not God's plan for us. Not that we would look like someone else. He actually wants us to be us. He wants us to uh, ingest truth, uh, to be taught by others in such a way that we discover who we're meant to be and how we are called to be this person that lives in such a way that others go, I want to learn from you. What you carry in God is something that I want in life because I believe what you have is something that will enable uh, swords to be turned to uh, things that prepare soil for planting. I believe that what you carry is something that will take spears and be used for uh, reaping fruit among others. I believe that what you carry is something that will bring peace to families and communities. Do people say that of us? Uh, one of the things I like to do, I think I've shared with you before, is, is I've got a little peace written on my keys. It's something that I like to remember that God calls me to carry, peace. And, and so whenever I'm challenged and as pressure grows and, and I think as tiredness grows and as we sit where we sit at the end of this year, uh, maybe a little bit tired from trying to do normal life, having not done what we considered normal over the last couple of years, we, we sit tired, patience grows thin uh, and we can find ourselves not being a people of peace. Why do I carry this? Uh, I carry it to remind me that I'm not a person that is driven uh, by what I feel like doing. I'm driven by calling from God to live in a way that represents him clearly to the world. Now, that's not a calling that's unique to me. It's a calling that's for all of us. And so when we, uh, if you're, you've got your Bibles open, uh, we're moving across to Romans uh, and we're looking at the end of Romans chapter 13. You can find it on page 923. And uh, Paul says in, uh, in verse 11, besides this, you know what time it is, uh, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. Uh, so if you were sleeping during the sermon, I didn't catch anyone sleeping yet. <laughs> time to wake. But that's not what he's getting at, is it? He's saying in life, as, as a Christian, if you were just kind of cruising along, uh, if you were asleep at the wheel, if you were driving in life in cruise control, he, he's saying, now's the time to be awake. Now's not the time for sleeping. Now's the time for wakefulness. Uh, because the time uh, is nearer now, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first became believers. That is, we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. We are saved through Jesus, uh, through his coming, uh, through our trust in him. But we are being saved, we're being made like him when he returns. What we look forward to at Advent is his return as well. Uh, we will be saved in full. There will no longer be the presence of sin in this world. So, but so salvation for us today is nearer than it was yesterday. And so he's saying, be awake, be ready. The, the moment is here. Uh, the, the night is far gone and the day is near. So, so what does that mean? At, at night you sleep, at night you slumber, at night you can't see 
during the day, you begin to look and see. Uh, yesterday morning, I, I got up really early. Uh, I had a I went to the ordination service in the city, so I thought I'll, I'll go in, miss the traffic, because I don't want the stress of having to find a car park and compete with that. So I went in really early, and as I was driving in the city, I was glad that I went in early, because uh, a truck almost went through a red light. He went through a red light, almost took out my car. Fortunately, I was awake. <laughs> Uh, and so, so that was a great experience. But I, I looked up at the sky and I, I saw the, the hot air balloons shooting across and I thought, wow, I wonder if Katie would like to do that. Maybe that's a good Christmas present. And then I remembered that she, she doesn't really like heights that much, so that would be a bad Christmas present. But it looked magnificent. And I imagine if I was sitting or standing in that balloon, that the sight that you could see uh, for miles would have been beautiful and what we are called to do is to begin to come awake see that the darkness is behind the the, the dawn uh, where is here and to, to look and see no longer looking down at our circumstances which you know can be discouraging at times no longer looking back at, at her but looking forward with expectation that the savior we follow will will come will return looking forward to what he has prepared for us in advance. So what are we called to do in response? Lay aside works of darkness, put on the armor of light. That is, as we step out of darkness, step into the day, we're called to clothe ourselves in something different. We, we, uh, what's clothing ourselves about? Like when you got up this morning, I'm thankful that you clothed yourself. Uh, I'm thankful that you made that decision. To grow as a Christian, it's actually a decision that we make. We get up and we choose what clothes we put on uh, to slumber and lay asleep in bed. Uh, it feels really good sometimes, but that's a decision that we make. So for us as Christians, we're, we're called to, to put on uh, the armor of light. And so that requires uh, work from us. And, and then we read the next verses and we go, oh, we're all right. So let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, uh, not in debauchery and licentiousness. Think wild parties. Uh, I don't think that's us. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe there's a secret life you've not told me about. Uh, not in quarreling and jealousy. I think we're actually pretty good at that as well. Oh, we've nailed it. Okay, we're ready for Jesus' return, are we? Are we? Uh, instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, uh, if chocolate's sitting there in front of you, how good are you saying no to that? What's, what, what, what's, your, what's your food of, of weakness? It's sitting right there in front of you. The chips are sitting there right in front of you. The bowl gets empty. I don't even know how it happens. What am I driven by in that moment? My desire, what's in front of me. And that's, that's not the way that we're called to live as Christians. We're called to live in such a way where we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It's not saying you can't have chocolate and chips. Uh, what it is saying is that we should, as Christians, not be driven by our fleshly desires. We're called to put on Jesus. What does it mean that we put on Jesus? It's that our identity 
comes from him, is formed by him, that we should, as we grow as Christians, look like him. So what are people looking for in this world? People to lead them to where God is present, that they may understand what it means to be blessed by him, live and prosper in the presence of God, and then learn his ways. What are we called to do as Christians? Put on Jesus, learn his ways, live his ways, look like him. So that when people come up to us and, and, and meet us, they, they say, there's something familiar about you. I like to be cheeky sometimes and say, oh, maybe I'll remind you of Jesus. <laughs> but it's a great, it's a great opener it's a, for, for an evangelistic conversation. But maybe that's the thing that should be happening to us. You know, you remind me of this person that I used to know back when I went to school. Uh, what, what was it about them? And they start describing the qualities of Jesus. And you say, well, you know why I remind you of this person? Because I follow Jesus too. And Jesus is my instructor. He's the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And I believe life just works better when you follow him. So that's the, the way we're called to live in life. Uh, as we look for his coming, uh, we represent that he's already come. And we live uh, in longing, prepared, awake, ready, uh, knowing that salvation is nearer today than it was yesterday. One of the things, uh, Kirsty, can you hand out the, the news for... December. I've, I've printed out a, a copy of our news for December for everyone. Uh, so you, you get a copy. Uh, on the opposite side this morning, uh, you'll see that there's actually an Advent devotional. Uh, what I would love us to be doing through Advent, so starting this Sunday, leading up to Christmas, is working through Luke's Gospel. And so I put, uh, for each week, I put a, a reading, five days worth of reading. That, that means you can uh, miss it on two days. Uh, one of them being Sunday, and you'll, you'll still keep up. They're short sections. And so I don't want you to read it all and go, I'm done. I've, I've finished, Randall. Uh, <laughs> I'm really good. I want you to hit the end uh, of your verses and think on them, ruminate on them. Uh, I put some questions down there for you to ask of the text, to reflect on in your prayer with God. And I've put a prayer for you to pray each day of the week for each of the week's of Advent. I've also, you should have got an email or you might get an email shortly which should give you a copy of that if you're more a digital person, but it's sometimes good to disconnect from the digital and just spend time with God. So if, if you want to read some of the verses and then go for a walk and reflect, if you want to talk about them with other people, I'd encourage you to do that, but first spend some time just thinking for yourself. And uh, one of the things that we're wanting to do in Advent is also just be asking God, God, what have you got prepared for us? You see, uh, Christmas gives us confidence that God has prepared good things for us. That he's not only prepared good things for us, but he's preparing a good thing for us in Jesus. And so I would love for us to fast and pray. If fasting from food is not a helpful thing for you, don't do it. I've suggested just, just fast from morning tea. As a, as, a, as a regular thing, fast from coffee, fast from something that might help you, remind you, but also create space. 
uh, might be that you do something every morning and you want to just insert this as a replacement for what you do. Or maybe you've got time to insert it. Uh, fasting is a good way of remembering that our flesh, uh, what our body desires, uh, doesn't have to drive our life. So it's the, the reason I've included fasting in there is I want you to think about how could you do something that reminds you that you're not just uh, driven by everything around you and just a, a victim of your circumstances. You're actually, God's given you authority to, to take charge in life and put on uh, Jesus Christ each day as you pray and as you walk with him. Uh, I'm hoping that you'll be really encouraged uh, by just spending a, a, a little bit of time thinking on Jesus and the, we're looking particularly at the narrative of uh, those first chapters of Luke. Uh, I'm praying that you'll be really encouraged by that and that you'll see some of yourself in the story, that you'll see encouragement in, in the stories about Jesus and that as you regularly pray, you will begin to see in yourself, I look a little bit like Jesus. And so God will bring that formation to each of us.